And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. And he said to them, Assuredly, assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah because he did not know what to say for they were greatly afraid and a cloud came and overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my beloved son hear him suddenly when they had looked around they saw no one anymore but only Jesus with themselves The Lord promised that there will be some who he was addressing because verse 34 in the previous chapter says when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also he said to them then he speaks about uh, the conditions for really being his disciple and then he says that some in this crowd will not die until they actually see the kingdom of God, <coughs> pardon me, kingdom of God present with power. Kingdom of God coming with power. And then immediately after that, it's written that he took Peter, James, and John. That word power there is a miraculous power. It's a this word dynamis, or some may say dunamis, is a force, but miraculous force. That God's power would be witnessed in the arrival of his kingdom. He talks about discipleship, and then he talks about the worth of following Jesus, giving up everything, because... The soul is the most important thing. Giving up the, the lures of the world so that we can gain the soul, our own souls, not lose our souls. He talks about speaking up, confessing that we belong to Jesus, confessing his name among the people in the midst of the adulterous sinful generation. And he said, if a person is ashamed of me, when I come back, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when 
the Son of Man, the Son of God, comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This word glories speaks of the the honor, the power, but that word doxa, as I mentioned before, as we looked at Second Peter 1 recently, is not the same thing as the dunamis or dynamis, which is actually the power. This is more of God's honor and his worship and so on. We can say the light, the glory realm, his presence. But chapter 9 talks about actual force, power. That these people are going to witness it, some some of the people. And then he takes them to the high mountain. Some people have thought that the mountain may be Mount Tabor, the traditional um, understanding for people to think that that's the Mount of Transfiguration, but it says a high mountain a mountain that is actually very high. When you look at um, the other Gospels, we look at um, Matthew, it says high, and um, Luke talks about the mountain, but it's not an average height mountain, and the mountain that qualifies for being high, whereas Mount Tabor is considered as a sort of hill. The high mountain is at Mount Hermon, which is not too far from where the Lord heard the confession from Peter, as we've read, at Caesarea Philippi. So after that, it seems logical that he would go to the nearest mountain, which is a high mountain, and that's the one on Hermon, so it would appear. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. As we read it, we see Peter just making no distinction for the Lord, but putting them almost as equal with Moses and Elijah. Each Everybody needs a shelter. Let's make shelter for everyone here, each of you. The next verse says he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and the voice came from the cloud, not commending Peter, saying it's a good idea for you to put up three shelters. After all, you're over here communing. You're having a conversation. You're having fellowship. Why not set up these shelters? 
That's not what the voice from heaven said. The Father, Almighty God, said, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. God didn't ask Peter for any comment or any suggestion. Peter was supposed to listen. He was having a glory experience here in the glory realm. He was privileged to be only among three people who ever saw this suddenly on this mountain. The Lord Jesus transfigured before their face. The one that they're with day and night. They got a glimpse of the heavenly glory that he really has. And they were supposed to absorb it, take it in, and listen. And he failed to do that, so he was redirected by the Father. The Father didn't mention anything about Moses or Elijah, even though they are very dear to him. But this is his beloved son. He takes priority. He has a preeminence. And so, we come to the Lord. Certainly, we ought to be ready to listen rather than speak unless it's really necessary. Meaning, when the Lord draws us close to himself, the reason he draws us close to himself is because he wants to say something. He wants to give something. But if we are full of noise and distraction, then we will miss that. And you see, Peter, it says that they were so frightened, they didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. So again, we see the mixture of impulsivity and fear, uncertainty, and it just comes out of Peter's mouth. Of course, when he became stronger, more mature, he wouldn't be the same. He'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And not just reacting to things and speaking things. It's a very important lesson for every one of us to humble ourselves and try to understand what God is wanting to do and position ourselves by keeping quiet to receive because if he's talking and we're talking we will miss what he has to say because we're bringing an interference to that and that's the denial the self-denial that he spoke of in the previous chapter where we need to really stop all of this impulsivity and stop all of the desire to be seen and heard and speak my mind we're in God's presence we want to know what he has to say because his word is life not ours only his word is life not our words we come to receive life from him a tremendous experience in verse 8 suddenly when they looked around they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus And in the other gospel, it says that they came to speak to him about his decease. And the other gospel also says that Peter and his companions were very sleepy. 
But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And then Peter immediately speaks, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. What would we have done? It's important for us to put ourselves in that position because if the Lord has an instruction, if the Lord has a rebuke, even a mild rebuke, we need to really see whether we would have needed that rebuke. And the way we can determine that is um, whether we have died to ourselves now. We really understood that God really means business. That when he says, you need to reckon the old you dead, crucified, dead and buried. You need to deny yourself. The more thorough the self-denial is, the more we'll be able to hear God's voice. The more he'll be able to give us of himself and impart to us what he has purposed to from the beginning. But at various points we can stop that flow. And Peter was in danger of that right here. He actually uh, interfered with what God was wanting to do and God had to tell him, stop. Listen to him. Listen to him. We want to be different than the generation in which we live. Generation in which we live, talking is something that cannot be avoided for many people. It's very difficult to listen, easier to talk. When it comes to coming close to God, we have to be different. We have to be, again, as it says in Psalm 131, like a weaned child. To have our soul like that, to really discipline ourselves, to be all ears and really be very attentive. And you see in Peter's case, and his uh, fellow disciples, they were very sleepy. It's another lesson that it's very, very important because we can attribute sleepiness when God is doing something, whether um, in our personal time with the Lord or family prayer or service. We need to understand that sleep, when it comes, it's an attack from Satan to try to keep us from going forward and growing spiritually. But unless I recognize that as an attack, and I prepare for that, and I'm very militant against that because I know the robber has come to try to rob me. I'm not going to let him take my blessing. As we mentioned the other day, a very practical solution is to go and splash some water on the face, if possible, or get up and walk if possible, but mainly there's a force from within that shakes us and we begin to rebuke that spirit of sleep because it can come very heavy and very quickly if we're not careful. The Lord would say in the Garden of Gethsemane, watch, be alert, be sober, be wide awake, 
watch and pray. Otherwise, you will fall prey, P-R-E-Y, to temptation. There's another blessing that is so needed in our lives, and that is we want to go forward, we want to grow, but we also don't want to fall into a trap of the enemy. We want to avoid danger. And all these elements must be kept in mind, which will cause us to be very sober. It's like a robber. If we hear there are robbers going around, for example, sometimes a salesman for home security systems may go around deliberately telling the people in the neighborhood, you know, there are some thefts here. And uh, a couple of houses over there got robbed and some people saw some thieves coming here. You really need this home security system. Now, if people are convinced of that, they will purchase that. They may even be extra alert. But if they're not convinced of it, they will just say, I don't need it. I'm not going to buy or take in your sales pitch. I don't believe you. But if a relative has said, no, he's, I actually saw the robber. And we haven't seen him at all since we moved here, but I, I saw a robber. And we heard this, we heard that. And that fear, again, translates into sobriety where we begin to be more cautious. And we take measures so that we don't get robbed. It depends upon whether we are convinced when the Lord says, to all of us, no one's exempt from this. If you don't watch and pray, you will fall into temptation. You have to be sober and alert. What kind of alertness? The alertness he's speaking of is a spiritual alertness. But the spiritual alertness requires physical alertness also when God is doing something in our midst. So the body-soul connection, if you will, is uh, understood that I need to do, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I need to discipline my body, bring it under subjection so that I don't fall away myself, I don't become a castaway. God is calling us to be alert so that we don't miss any blessing that he has for us God wants us to prosper God wants us to benefit he wants us to be protected he wants us to grow and we see in the combination of verses uh, in the gospels here speaking about this event when such a glorious sight was witnessed by them and Peter would reference this later when he writes his epistle But he almost missed it. They were very sleepy. And also, they began to get distracted. But he should have done, and what we should do, what his companions should have done, the brothers, James and John, along with him, should have been prayerful. And this is why we emphasize when we come to church service or any meeting, 
to really empty ourselves of anything that may hinder God's Spirit from working. It's possible to stop a revival abruptly. How? When a person or group of people comes in with a carnal, self-centered approach to the meeting, it's possible to hinder the flow of the Spirit. Where the minister can feel, can literally feel there's a heavy block, some kind of hindrance that is not letting the people receive what God has come to do. And so it's important that none of us contribute to that, but rather we contribute to the flame getting higher and burning brighter. How? By coming prayerfully, watching and praying, understanding, sobering ourselves again, if you will, shaking ourselves and saying, where am I going? What am I listening to? Why am I even present in church or in a morning call or in a fasting prayer? What am I here for? I'm here to see God. I want to hear God. There's something he wants to give me. I can't afford to miss it. But I really want to be more sober than I ever have been, more watchful and prayerful. And then the abundance will come. Because God has the former rain, and he has the latter rain. The glory of the latter will exceed the former. Hallelujah. We don't want to miss it. They had this experience and then they were coming down from the mountain and the Lord gave them strict orders. We're in verse 9 of Mark chapter 9. Not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. It's very important to follow God's instructions. We may think, well, this is wonderful for God's campaign. What do people think if I tell them? We just had a divine visitation. How many people will publicize it immediately? How many people will immediately look for attention by saying, well, I was privy to this supernatural experience and you were not. Therefore, look to me, watch me now, because I'm going to tell you all about it. And I'm a star myself, along with Jesus, because I was there. It's a sinister work of the flesh from the devil to try to gain attention using God, to try to draw attention to ourselves. It's a temptation that anyone can fall into if we're not alert to it. And it can happen sometimes subtly to ourselves because we're not alert at all. But if we are walking in the Spirit, if we are reading the Word of God as we should and praying as we should and keeping ourselves humble, ready to listen, slow to speak, slow to be fussy and get angry, then we will go with the flow of the Holy Spirit and God will use us to bring honor to Him. Jesus will be front and center 
truly of everything we do and everything we say. The glorious prospect, isn't it? It's a wonderful goal, but it's an absolute necessity because the Lord says no flesh will glory in his presence. He said, my glory I will not give to another. The honor that we get as his children is when we're connected to the vine and we simply receive the flow of his life without having sin to obstruct that flow. The sin of pride, self-centeredness, jealousy, bitterness, the same list over and over again. Why does God keep bringing up the same things? Because these are the things that keep people away from God and bring the wrath of God upon them. You can see that in Ephesians 5. He says, don't let anybody deceive you now. Who is he writing to? Believers. God has glory waiting for you. Ephesians is all about the glory of God and the power of God that he's bestowed upon his children. And in the ages to come, God says he will unravel the mysteries and the blessings. It'll just continue absolute bliss with God. The truth. But what can obstruct obstruct all of this? Self-centeredness. Look at me syndrome. Listen to me syndrome. How do I look syndrome? Despising other people, being jealous. These are things that we may have to confess. We may have to confess. Even a little bit of it can obstruct God's Spirit, because he gets grieved and he moves back. He steps back. That's how it is. You can read it in the Bible. You can read it in all the revival history. But if every member of a meeting, an assembly, seeking God, because that, he's the ob- object of a worship, coming, Lord, what is it that you want to say to me? And Lord, I want to be a good steward of what you're speaking to me, depositing into me. I'm going to act on this, Lord. No excuses, no cover-up, no saving face. Tell me, Lord, what I need to change and reveal your love to me so that I know as soon as I take care of the things you point out, you will draw me even closer to yourself. That's how God works. He gave them orders here, do not tell anyone until I rise from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. It's another instance where the Lord points out the dullness of his disciples Because all the prophets said that. And you recall on the road to Emmaus, he was with two disciples. And he actually rebuked them. He said, how can you be so foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had written? God has the right to say those things. One is, he is almighty God. He's perfect but also because he really loves us and everything he does is out of love for his children. 
So the rebuke is not something to put us down and make us go into a shell. That's the enemy's game. Anytime we're corrected to withdraw and be defiant, and bitterness, that root of bitterness will come in very quickly. We don't want that. Perhaps we've experienced that before. It's not pleasant at all. It actually takes us away from God. It's a false kind of humility also to say, I guess I'm not worth it. I guess I'll go back to what I was doing or go search again for God somewhere else. That's the enemy taking us away from God's presence. But we have to be alert to them and say, no, I see what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to bring these insinuations, these feelings, because he wants to separate me from the body of Christ. I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to humble myself and say, Lord, I understand the motivation for you to correct me is because you love me. And so whatever you tell me to do, I want to understand it. I, I want to get rid of this dullness. And you know, God can reveal to us just when we're thinking, we're growing, we're learning, and we're getting sharper, all of a sudden something can happen where it reveals that we're yet dull in a big way. And it may be a temptation at that point to say, have I ever progressed and done anything? Then we'll try that condemnation game. We have to say, no, by God's grace, I'm not where I was. But I see that I have a long way to go. That's the way to look at things when God exposes something within us that needs to change. The Father show me. I don't want this, Lord. This is not good for me or for other people. I want to be one who is alert. And I want to follow exactly what you say. I want to come to that point where every detail of your commandments that you want me to carry out, you can count on me to execute the command exactly as you say, Lord. Trustworthy. With a heart that is ready to please God and not do it out of compulsion. For given a job to do from the Lord, we have a, a way of doing things. We can opt to do it because we have to do it. It may be that if I don't do it, I may... Um, fall into a trap a snare if I don't do it I won't get certain benefit or we can do it because we really love the Lord we have come to trust him that Lord whether I get any benefit or not we'll always get benefit when we obey God always be blessed but we come to a point where we say Lord even if I don't get anything I love you and I trust you so what you say Lord is what my life is about. If you tell me to do something, I do it. Because I love you. And you can count on me, Lord. I'm dependable. So the orders were given. And because they were spiritually dull, they started having this discussion. You know, it's not a good thing to have private discussions when the Lord is there. And it can happen within oneself. What kind of discussion? Doubting wondering when the Lord has actually said it in a straightforward manner more than once. We read that recently. He actually told them this is what's going to happen to me. He said it very explicitly. You can't miss it. He said the chief priests and the elders are going to come. They're going to 
accuse me. They're going to arrest me. They're going to crucify the Son of God, the Son of Man. But on the third day, I'm going to rise. But they had a block. If the Lord was speaking in Aramaic, they certainly would have understood it. The Lord doesn't do things uh, in a cryptic form. He speaks so that we can understand. But it's as if somebody speaking in English to us, and we can understand English, but it's not getting through. That's what was happening here. And the Lord has recorded that on several occasions. Not only their lack of faith, but their lack of understanding. He's saying, this is so basic. I'm telling you word for word what's going to happen. How is it that you can't understand? It's something for us to be alert to. That, Lord, I don't want this in my life. When you speak, Lord, you speak very clearly. You love us. You reveal to us what you want to say. But let my hearing be sharp. Oh, God. That's a wonderful prayer to pray. We ought to pray it, every one of us. Lord, help me to be able to hear. Didn't he say, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Because there are people, the Lord said, Isaiah prophesied, they have ears, but the ears have gotten dull. They have eyes, but they cannot perceive. The heart of these people is waxed, he says, or uh, crossed, dull and heavy, so they can't receive. We want to be people who want to receive. So they're discussing, what is this about rising from the dead? They asked him, why do the teachers say, the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? He asked them the question. But I tell you, Elijah has come. He's pointing to what he's going to go through for all of us, but they're getting distracted. They're confused. And he says, if you want to ask about Elijah, that was John the Baptist who came in the power of Elijah. But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wish, just as it is written about him. We're called to be alert, be sober, to be sharp in hearing what God has to say. It takes training, but as with any progress, the first step is to say, Lord, there's a problem. As I read the word, if I'm really honest, I can gloss over these things, go right to the storyline and say, okay, it's a familiar pattern I see here. I read this before. I can do some comparisons, but if I don't look in the mirror, I won't know what I look like before the Lord, and there will be no changes. So it's good for us to look that we can have a glory visitation. Hallelujah. We can have a divine visitation, every one of us, and we have had those things. Many of us can testify. God wants to give more. But he also wants to know whether we value that so much 
that we are preparing ourselves for His divine visitation anytime, anywhere. Hallelujah. By keeping the vessel clean and pure with no obstruction so that the Spirit of God can just deposit into us anything He wants, anytime. And the culprits that can prevent us from receiving from God anytime, anywhere are these things that we discussed. Spiritual sluggishness, sleepiness, physical drowsiness, And instead of dealing with it militantly, we can miss what God has for us. We may miss a promise, a blessing, or a warning and regret. But we get alert to this. We say, Lord, I want to be prepared all the time because that's the nature of the Lord. He's constantly giving revelation. He's the God who reveals himself. Reveals himself. He's a God who bestows upon his children gifts from heaven, divine visitations, experiences in the glory realm, so that we can go on with God and be mightily used of God. That's his purpose. God wants every single child of his, every single child of his, to be mightily used, baptized in the Holy Spirit, with signs and wonders following. You know for who? for Jesus to be front and center, receive all the glory, see multitudes saved, healed, delivered. That's what God wants. That's what happens when somebody is completely surrendered to Him, yielded to Him. The Spirit of God will begin to examine and see this person is ready for more. And they begin to reveal more when we get things of the flesh out of the way. In fasting and prayer, is very, very critical to such growth in the spirit. Forsaking um, common pleasure and things that we like to do for a season of desperation, desperately saying, Lord, I want my life to be useful, not the way I see, or others may congratulate me about, but I want to make an internal impact, Lord. And how many days do I have left? How many years do I have? We see how we used to be 15 years old, 20 years old, all of a sudden it seemed to double. What happened? And some of us can remember as if it was yesterday exactly where we we were, I should say, 20 years ago, 24 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, maybe as a child, as if it was yesterday. And uh, we are caught for a moment in time of reminiscing And we feel like we're right there. And wouldn't it be wonderful to be a child again? Wonderful to be in that particular experience that was so good. But what happened? The calendar kept flipping. It didn't stop. And so it will keep on turning the pages. But we have to answer to the Lord as to whether we were useful. And that's my prayer continually to the Lord. Lord, I want to be useful to you the way you define usefulness. Because I can always say I'm useful. I can get people to tell me how useful I am. I can seek out people particularly who will encourage me no matter what. But is that what's going to matter in eternity when I stand before my God? I want to be useful. And the way God defines usefulness is a vessel that's yielded to him 
able to be taken up. You see, they had something going for them, Peter, James, and John. God selected them specifically for uh, very intimate experiences in his ministry. They were people that were trustworthy to a level. They were people that God uh, believed would benefit from what he called them to, but they had this battle with the flesh, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's something that God says, you don't have to follow that pattern. I put it there so you can avoid that. How? Be filled with the Spirit, be spiritually alert, and have that mentality that I'm not going to let the enemy rob me. I'm going to be very keen on every word God is speaking. And when I read the Word of God, I'm going to prepare myself that I'm about to read the words that come from the mouth of the living God and His presence is going to be with me. I'm going to benefit deeply in my spirit, not just the mind, but in my spirit. And there's going to be a change. There's going to be an incremental change in my life. Sometimes God may choose the season, as you close this morning, where He will drop a tremendous blessing that will just cause us to leap from one realm to another, one level to another. Not just a, a discrete incremental amount of increase. There will always be an increase when we come to God's presence the right way. Always. But when we keep on coming, all of a sudden God will surprise us and we'll have a tremendous leap forward in our spiritual experience. There will be a revival on another level altogether. Because God will see that we are consistently coming to Him to receive from Him with great humility and faith and expectation. Consistently coming to His presence, stopping what we're doing so we can receive what He's saying to us. God gives Himself more and more to those who value Him more and more. Where they really decrease. We decrease so that he can increase. It's always been that way. Personal revival is the starting point of a massive revival in the community, in the family, in a nation, in the world. For that to happen, I situate myself the way God says, I come to him expecting for him to touch me getting myself out of the way. You see, we will see that the disciples kept on learning as they kept being with Jesus. How ministry is done and how it's not supposed to be done. How it's necessary to have faith as well as patience. It's necessary, first of all, to be pure. To be pure. Purity precedes power from on high, always. The Spirit of God cannot give us power. We can have an assumed power, a fake power, a power with a lot of noise and a lot of pomp and stance, a lot of advertising, but no effect against Satan or his advance. But the real power from on high demands a pure vessel, always. 
And every time the Lord spoke to the disciples, his word was purifying them as they yielded to it. We read recently, Peter was rebuked by the Lord, but he learned. You don't see him do that again. Hallelujah. That's what we want. It's one thing to be ignorant, but it's another thing to be willfully ignorant, where I know God has spoken to me, God has said some things, and I haven't done my homework, I haven't done what he said to do. But when we do that, we go forward. And that's when chains get broken. Hallelujah. That's when, when you speak, when you speak, it won't just be flowery words. It won't just be words that somebody can say, that's smart, that was witty, that was um, wonderful, that was enlightening. There'll be a power that the devil's afraid of, and whatever hold he has on the other person, the chains will begin to break. Hallelujah. Real power from on high. We want to spend time with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. Step into the glory realm. What that did for Peter was, when he wrote his epistle, his letter later on, he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And the Spirit of God took that experience and made it available and transformative for all the readers of that epistle, including us, to impart truth, impart revelation. We want to be in the glory realm continuously. May the Lord help us to prepare ourselves. Because God has promised we will see greater miracles in the days ahead in our church. Far greater than we've seen. Hallelujah. We don't want to be sleepy and miss it. Spiritually sluggish. Physically sluggish. Because we can be right where Jesus is and fall asleep and miss it. How shocking and how dangerous. Or, we can say, I've understood, I've learned my lesson, never again. We're human. God knows that. But the Lord expects us to operate on another level. On the spiritual level. Anticipating that the enemy of our souls will try to do many things, but if we are one up on him every time, because we are alert to the spiritual world of what he's trying to do. He's the thief, isn't he? Is he not? To steal, kill, and destroy. It's not going to happen. Not on God's watch. Not on our watch. Hallelujah. Everything God has. The glory, the doxa, and the power, the dynamis or dunamis, God has it for us. Partakers of the divine nature, called to glory and virtue, you shall receive power from on high. And the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll do the greater works. Praise be to the Lord. God is going to repeat revival, except on a greater scale than all the revivals we've seen before. Before his return. Jesus Christ, our salvation, 
Jesus Christ, our deliverer. Jesus Christ, our healer. Jesus Christ, our soon coming King. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Wash us, I pray. I thank you, Lord, for what you have spoken and what you have for us this day. Help us, O Lord, to be intimate with you, Lord, to talk to you, Lord, often. Lord, to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, to know that out of love you correct us and say, Lord, keep correcting me until only Jesus is seen. There's no effort. There's an effortless representation of the Lord Jesus everywhere we go. Lord, let that become a reality for everyone. May this church go forward, Lord, to affect the community, the city, the state, the nation, and the world because you have said it will happen on an increasingly larger scale. We want to be caught up in your revival. Do the most good we can, Lord, through your power, for the most people we can, by letting you speak through us and do your divine works through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you continue to reveal yourself as the healer to everyone, Father, on the call that needs healing. Reveal yourself as the deliverer for everyone, Lord, that needs to be broken from any kind of addiction or OCD, any kind of demonic thing. I curse it in Jesus' name. Chains be broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You've come to give freedom and the devil cannot bind your people anymore. Hallelujah. May the families feel the shock waves of your mighty presence, Lord. Family members will become frightened to sin against you and repent and follow you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we need revival amongst our own people before we can take it to other people. We need revival within ourselves before we can take it to our family. A thorough revival. Pour it out, Lord, I pray. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. In abundant measure, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. Father, in Jesus' name, amen.